This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here with a little draft nugget episode. That's right. We are now under three weeks away from the start of the NFL draft, the 2021 NFL draft where the New York Giants have a big pick. They select 11th overall. And where are they going to go? We'll get into that a little bit. We're going to bring in NFL draft scout, Matt Miller, who's in the newest uh, draft analyst expert for ESPN. Uh, he's going to go over the, some, of the, some of the draft stuff that's relevant to the Giants with us in a little bit. Uh, but first, I mean, I'm feeling good. We're feeling refreshed. We're ready to go. We're ready to dive into all this draft stuff here these next few weeks. And I mean, just went, had a little vacation in Florida, drove down with my daughter, my wife, and the, and the little man. They met us there. They flew. Uh, he's one and a half. You're not doing a 20-hour drive to Florida with a, with a one-and-a-half-year-old. And if you are, poof, God bless. Uh, and th- this podcast, is. I know it's a little delayed. I apologize for that. That va- the vaccine after effects, you know, it can it can really uh, knock you out a little bit. Uh, we were both myself and producer Scope, and we're under the weather after we separately uh, got our vaccine shots. So uh, that kind of delayed the uh, editing and production, and even the broadcasting of this podcast. So apologize for that. But we're here. We're here for you. We're going to be here for you throughout the draft now. The next few weeks, getting you hyped up, getting you ready, because everyone loves the draft, really. I mean, the draft is, is such a great thing. There's so many there's so many things you can get excited about with the draft. I mean, everything is a lightning rod, right? And that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's the beauty of sports. We could sit there and argue back and forth. And really, we're arguing. A lot of people, most of the time, are arguing with this kind of stuff about stuff we have no idea about, about which player is the right pick, the wrong pick. I mean, totally... Guess, I mean, how many guys do we think every year is going to be a stud and turns out to be either a pedestrian player or not a factor at all? I mean, a very, very large percentage. But it's fun. The draft is fun. But with the 11th pick, the Giants should get somebody very capable and very good. Your chances with the 11th pick of landing a guy who can play and play at a high level are pretty high, right? Let's say 60, 65%, I mean, which is pretty good. I mean, yeah, when you come to the NFL draft, 65% is pretty good. Now, all right, here's what I've been doing the last couple of days. So I've been calling around, asking around, texting, asking people around the league that I'm friendly with to say, hey, and some of them pick, you know, later in the first round, early at the top of the draft. Some of these people, they work for teams that are in that range. And so it's really all over the board. And I said, hey, Giants pick 11th. We know the quarterbacks are going high, right? Quarterbacks are going basically pick one, two, three at least. A fourth is going to go in the top seven or eight, probably. So now the question is, which non-quarterbacks are completely out of contention for the Giants? They will not be there. So the answers I got are, all right, you got Jamar Chase was unanimous. He's not going to be available. Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. 
unanimous. He was not going to be available. Those guys are studs. They're not going to make it to 11. There's really no scenario where those guys make it to 11. Now, uh, the third guy was Penny Sewell, unanimous. Not going to make it to 11. Now, the one who kind of fell into the gray area from what I was asking was Rashawn Slater. Offensive lineman, Northwestern. A uh, couple people had him not available. And then another two or three people said, nah, I'm not going to put him in that category. He's There's a possibility. It's not likely, probably, but there's a possibility Rashawn Slater is going to be available when pick 11 comes around, which is an interesting scenario for the Giants. Because you look at their offensive line, especially those guard positions, right tackle. I mean, they they Giants like a lot of these guys. You know, we're talking about Matt Parrott and uh, uh, Shane Lemieux on the right side. And obviously Nate Solder is a possibility at that right tackle spot. But And then left guard, you got Will Hernandez with Zach Fulton, a possibility there. Like, these are there's a lot of question marks. A lot of question marks. And we're not even talking about the question mark that is Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Because uh, while he got better, certainly wasn't great his rookie year. No way around it. Yeah, he struggled early and wasn't even there were games late in the season where he wasn't great either. So uh, there's question marks all around that line. So would Slater then fit in? You could maybe play him at right tackle if he's the best right tackle you have on your roster. Maybe play right guard, left guard, whatever. I mean, he could easily fit in short term and then long term. You know, if you have a good offensive lineman, there's room for him anywhere. You know, whether his future is that would be at right tackle. Or right guard, or, or does it really matter? If he's a stud, he's a stud. Nobody's saying Quentin Nelson wasn't worth the six pick. Now, I'm not saying Rashawn Slater is Quentin Nelson either, but a, a really good high-end offensive lineman, if, if he is that and turns out to be that, would be valuable to the Giants. So he's the one that's interesting. That's the one that really intrigues me. Now, two of the names we did not hear of, okay, they're not going to be available. They're definitely off the board by 11. We're two wide receivers from Alabama, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. And that's interesting because those are two guys, even with Kenny Galladay, the Giants are going to think about long and hard. You know, they, they you hear that those are guys that they think are really good players. So they're not out of the question. Devonta Smith in particular, I mean, that's the kind of guy you could move around the offense, play in a bunch of different spots, use as an offensive weapon. Uh, even Waddle. So they do fit. And that would give the Giants just a ton, a ton of playmakers. I mean, let's just think about this for a second. Last year, you had Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard. Okay. Now you're adding Saquon Barkley back to the mix. Now you're adding Kenny Galladay to the mix. And if now you add a Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle to that mix as well, like that is some weaponry. Now, I know the offensive line has some question marks, but no excuses. Daniel Jones better have some success. There's some big playability there. Second year in the offense for for Daniel Jones with Jason Garrett and with this staff and with uh, improved weaponry, some offensive linemen who should have grown at least a little bit. I mean, even if we have questions about him, let's say um, Andrew Thomas should have grown a little bit and gotten better. Nick Gates should have grown a little bit and gotten better. Shane Lemieux should have grown a little bit and gotten better. So... There's be just, there would be no excuse for this offense being really good. And the Giants, from what I understand, Smith and Waddle are two guys that intrigue them, for sure. 
So we'll see how that goes. Now, here's the thing, okay? The Giants have looked into two positions really hard. Really hard. Probably harder than most of the other positions out there. And it's wide receiver and edge rusher. And you can see why, especially going into free agency. I mean, those were their two biggest needs, wide receiver and edge rusher. Now, they even interviewed uh, – they did uh, – they interviewed Jamar Chase, who I said before really has no chance to make it to them. Uh, but part of their pre-Jav visits, I guess they're called still. I don't know. They're not technically a visit, but it's, it's virtual. But they set one up with Jamar Chase because like, they, they're doing their, their homework on the wide receivers. Now, they're doing also doing their homework on the edge rushers. I don't think it's a surprise at all that we saw Joe Judge and Patrick Graham at that Miami Pro Day, right? Jalen Phillips and then uh, Rousseau, the other edge rusher from Miami. They had two guys down there. I'm drawing a blank on Rousseau's first name. I think it's Greg. Uh, so those those two guys there not a coincidence those two guys a lot of people have questions about those two guys and I still think they remain so I I it's hard for me to imagine the Giants falling in love with either of those two guys now the guy you do hear buzz about in regards to the edge rusher and they've done a lot of work on him too and Chris Pettit was down there at the Georgia pro day Chris Pettit is you know uh basically runs the draft uh he's gaining power and personnel uh, the last few years, uh, very well, uh, highly regarded inside their building. So there's buzz on Ojolari, the defensive, uh, the edge rusher from from uh, Georgia. My understanding from what I've heard is the Giants are high on him. Now, does that mean they're high enough on him where they would draft him with the 11 spot or Quiddy Pay, who they apparently like, with the at the 11 spot? Those two guys, I think in particular, are the two guys that pique their interest the most. Because they have that versatility and they fit what the Giants are trying to do. And they don't come with the same as many question marks, I believe, as, as the Miami guy. The Miami guy is just, uh, Phillips has injury history. Rousseau sat out this past year. Uh, had a big year last year, but that people would have liked to see it one more time. Now, we'll, we'll ask Matt Miller in a few minutes about these guys and what, what if he, which one he thinks can maybe pop in at 11, but it does create at least, I shouldn't say create the idea. It, it does bring up the possibility of the Giants trading back. And I know we haven't seen it in forever. Now, I'd bet against it because Dave Gettleman's never done it. Ever, ever, ever. But Joe Judge is in there now. He's definitely more involved, I believe, than the previous, re- past previous regimes. You know, the, it just makes sense for them. It really does. It just makes sense for them if they could move back, you know, let's say to the teens, let's say to around 20, get more picks in return, and then take their top edge rusher that they like in the middle of the first round. It really does. I mean, that's what makes the most sense to me. Now, if you told me Dave Gettleman is running the show 100%, I'd say, all right, well, probably not going to happen. He has. Literally never in his, what, eight years as as general manager in the NFL, eight, nine, whatever it is now, never traded back at any spot. Not even, forget first round, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, never. So it would be a real shift of philosophy for him. You know, as the old scout that goes in there and says, we got a good player, he's there, let's take him. No, this is about draft resources, picking what 
uh, guy in the in the right spot and and collecting draft capital in return. So it makes sense for the Giants to move back. So as for a trade up, I know some people have brought that up, like Atlanta's for it. It doesn't make sense for the Giants to trade up. Who are they trading up for? Like you're you're not trading up for a tight end or even a wide receiver in a deep wide receiver draft. That's to me would seem silly. That's a waste of resources. So I don't see that happening. I guess it's possible, but I just don't see the sound logic in that at this point. Now, I wanted to bring up one other thing. Uh, also, we saw Joe Judge and Patrick Graham at, or at least we saw Joe Judge, I'm not sure about Patrick Graham, at the Penn State uh, Pro Day. And again, we talked about the research they're doing on edge rushers. Jason Owa from Penn State, he was there. So I, and I know my people say Michael Parsons is Michael Parsons. That. There's a lot of smoke around Michael Parsons. I'd be surprised if the Giants went in that direction right now. We'll, we'll get more into that later, but uh, I'd be surprised about that. The one outsider from a different position. I know they just signed the Dory Jackson. You can never have enough good cornerbacks in this league for sure. If Patrick Sertan's there at 11, that I understand from what I understand is a name that could intrigue them as well. So. That's where we stand at this point. It's still early. It's still early. We're still several weeks from the draft. It's a crazy draft in general. The medicals, uh, a lot of guys went to the, get the medical rechecks or checks, or I don't even know what you call them these days because the whole schedule's messed up. So the draft process is still going on. If anyone tells you they know for sure who they're drafting, it's just not, just not true at this point, especially when you're drafting 11. If you're drafting one, two, Three, fine. I get it. But 11, with all the information still to be obtained out there, not happening. That's what I got so far. Those are the little nuggets of information that I'll provide you. Now let's go to our guest and see what Matt Miller has to say about what's going to happen in this draft. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Let's welcome Matt Miller, uh, not only to the show here, but to the ESPN family, Matt. I mean, b- big move, big move. I mean, we, we've known you for years. Uh, NFL draft scout, he goes by on all social media or just, just Twitter. Yeah. Everywhere. Right. You got to diversify in this day and age. So, uh, anywhere you plug it in, Instagram, Twitter, the whole deal. Yeah, you know, I have a buddy who who believes in that too. Like you, you got to stick with what's working for you. Like he says, like you don't change your Twitter picture either. He I mean, he looks like 15, 20 years younger in his Twitter picture, but he refuses to change it. No, that's the move, right? Forever. Yeah, you want people to see it and and know it's you. So same with the the handle. Now, I th- I joined Twitter in like two thousand nine. I worked in I worked in marketing for a photography lab back then, and like right when Twitter started, it was like I was really working in like SEO back in the day, and so it was like. I know what people are going to type into the search bar. It's going to be NFL draft, like scouting reports, things like that. It was like, I'm jumping on this username before someone else takes it. And uh, I'm never giving it up now. That's actually smart. I mean, do you, do you own, do you own like a, a URL? 
I, so I'm afraid of the NFL. So I own the draftscout.com, which is where all my articles and everything go, but oh, so I don't, use the NFL. I don't need that. Yeah, yeah. I don't need that cease and desist in my life from the <laughs> NFL. See, it's a smart move though. I mean, that's, that's the way to do it. I like, I like the entrepreneurship there. You just, just in case, you know, you buy it up, hold it there, stock it, you know, you that, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, welcome to welcome to ESPN. Uh, you know, you're gonna have to find a way to, you know, I guess like you know, Todd basically needles Mel. So now you know they bring you in. Your job is gonna be you got to find a way. Like, do you have like an in of like, okay, how how can you needle Todd now? Yeah, I think I'm just gonna become the punching bag for them both, so that they can like you know they have their playful bickering, and I think my job is actually to just be like the little brother that they can pick on. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna embrace that role. Um, I do try to get like subtle shots in, but we don't know each other well enough yet. So I don't want them to also think that I'm just a jerk, like yeah, taking shots at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's gotta be like, subtle, who is this so. guy insulting me? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's like this gosh, new guy comes in, thinks exactly. he can just jab me. Yeah, right. so you take you take it on the chin for a little while. That's good. You know, there's, look, look, right. there's, there's a price for everything. You know, I mean, uh, I'll let people beat me up all day for the right for the right amount, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and with Mel, like I'm not just saying this because I work at ESPN now. There's there's tweets, there's receipts of this. I mean, he he is the reason that my job exists. You know, that being a media draft analyst, like what what does that even mean? You know, like but he made this an industry, so he can make he can poke fun at me all he wants, and I'll 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 eventually you know get brave enough to clap back a little bit. Well, we'll get to the Giants in one second. I just want to you bring that up. So, so wait, how do you, how do you get into the NFL draft scouting uh, field? Like, what was what's your path there? Yeah, mine's you know very different from like you know Todd who played college football and and some of the other guys like Daniel Jeremiah who played college football worked in the NFL for a while. So right. I'm very much like um, just a grinder. So I was a terrible high school football player, but I loved <laughs> football so much. I like I was, the honesty there, by the way. Oh yeah. I'm not going to lie about this. There's yeah, I was terrible. And, and in a very small school, but I, I was obsessed with football even before, even before that, you know, I can remember being, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old watching the draft, you know, and like was just in love with it. You know, that bridge between college football and the NFL and, and really it was just all I cared about, you know? And so after high school, I uh, was really when the internet kind of blew up was when I was in high school. And so there were all these great draft websites that were just popping up everywhere. So I, I got my start by writing uh, about the San Francisco 49ers for a small draft website and it, I was hooked. And so, you know, I went to school to be a paramedic and like did that thing for a while. And then I ended up working on marketing, as I mentioned, but all the while through my early twenties, I owned my own draft website. Uh, and so that was really my, my connection to this industry. I did some scouting for arena league teams, for CFL teams. I coached some high school football. I coached some semi-pro football, just trying to like stay close to football and find my lane. And, you know, it really ended up just being the, the draft. And so in 2010, I had never heard of Bleacher Report before in 2010. I don't know that very many people had. But I right. said they had a that a posting, and I didn't even you can't even call it a job posting because there was no money. <laughs> it was a it was a hey, if you want to write, we'll publish it. And I had a website where I was writing, but I I wanted a bigger audience, and so I approached them and said, you know, I have I have all this content that I'm producing already. I just want to expand my audience. So we we you know hooked up. They brought me on board in in October of 2010, and then in 2011, I was able to you know start making a little money there. In May of 2011, they actually told me to quit my day job. They're like, quit your job. We need you doing this full time. And so I was there from 2010 until 
you know, yes, January 2021. It yeah, was it a good move. move. I yeah. mean, uh, they, they they blew up and became huge. Bleacher Report, obviously. So yeah. you, it became a huge platform for you to then, you know, basically strut your stuff to go out there and say, hey, you know, here's all my stuff and just be out there for yeah. everybody. And to gain credibility, because this is a very small space. You know, there aren't there aren't many people who get to cover the draft full time. You know, like that's their, yeah. their it's only a cottage job. Industry. It really is. And so I'm incredibly grateful, you know, to, to be one of the few people who get to do that. And, and yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a fun, a fun decade, you know, with a, a startup company, but I, I think everyone probably feels this way. Like when you get to ESPN, there's just a difference. You're like, you don't ever want to be like, Oh, I've made it. And I can stop trying now, but there's definitely a sense of accomplishment. You know, when you, when you get to come on podcasts like this, or when you get to be on TV, like, it's just a, it's, it's really, really cool. Well, it's funny. Cause I, I always tell the story my dad, you know, came up to me when I got the job at ESPN and he said, and this is like the most, the biggest backhand, the compliment ever. He's like, congratulations. Like you, you actually made it in this field. I didn't think there was any chance you were going to make it. <laughs> like, oh. like, but until I got to ESPN, yeah. like I was still working. I had a job. I was beginning a nice salary. It didn't matter until I got to ESPN. And then he's like, Oh, mm-hmm. you actually made this into like a career. Like I didn't think you were going to do it. You know, no, I get that because you know, same for me. Like I really, you know, I'm very, very much self-made, you know, my, my parents, uh, are amazing, but they don't, they don't even like sports, you know? So this wasn't like something that, you know, my dad like instilled in me or anything like that, but you know, working at Bleach Report for 10 years, I had like some cool milestones that I was really proud of. But when the press release goes out, you get hired by ESPN, like everyone's finally proud of you. It's really, it's this really nice moment, but you also have that, like, you know, I've been doing this for a while. Like this isn't, this isn't new, you know? So I can definitely relate to that. Decade full time, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. That's still a different level. Congrats. Let's get to the draft and the Giants here, okay? So we're looking at the top of the draft, quarterback, 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 and even another quarterback somewhere, right? Four four quarterbacks sound right to you? Top 10? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe five. Maybe Um, five, which is great for the teams picking in, you know, top 12, whatever, that don't aren't in the quarterback market. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, you know, like for the Giants, obviously. I think the best case scenario for the Giants is you, as many quarterbacks as possible. You guys might want to start talking up like Kyle Trask or Davis Mills, you know, try to get six <laughs> quarterbacks in there. So, you know, Real the trade, one. the Niners trade was was huge for the Giants because it's just going to push more good players down the board. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, picks one, two, three are going to be quarterbacks. Pick four very well could be whether Atlanta uses the pick or trades it, you know, uh, and then Carolina, Getting Sam Darnold uh, does put a little bit of a damper on that, but you know Denver uh, could take a quarterback. The Patriots could trade up for a quarterback. The Bears, uh, Washington. There's a, there's a lot of teams that have a need at that position. So I'm making you in charge of the Giants. You're basically Dave Gettleman. You're handling pick eleven. You know what their needs are. They desperately need an edge rusher, right? But you tell me, it doesn't seem like that's the best fit for eleven. But there's also going to be some great, really top end. Uh, Offensive weapons, maybe even offensive linemen that come there. So how are you handling pick 11 if you're, if you're in that spot? Yeah, it, it is tougher than it might seem because the needs this year don't necessarily, the needs of the Giants don't necessarily match up with the value of what's going to be there at 11. So um, assuming that there will be no trades because it's Dave Gettleman, even if I'm taking his role, I think you can look at one of the top pass catchers and Jalen Waddle from Alabama. Uh, I think there's a good chance he's on the board still just because, again, so many quarterbacks are going to go early. Kyle Pitts is going to go early. Uh, Jamar Chase is going to go early. So that's just going to push these quality players down. And even after signing Kenny Galladay, which uh, 
kudos on that. That was a great signing for them. I think there's still a need, you know, for a Jalen Waddle type player. And I know they brought in John Ross. Um, I'm not holding out any hope that John Ross, you know, changes who he was in Cincinnati and becomes, you know, this great downfield threat. You're not so changing Waddell your, you're not, I'm not basing your future on John. What do you expect from John? Right. Ross. So the, exactly. That's the bottom line. There's no, I yeah. don't care how optimistic you are. <laughs> exactly. And so I think there is a need for that. We've actually seen, you know, like Dante Pettis, another guy who busted in San Francisco, but like they've tried to find some speed at this position. So I think Waddle, you know, you can, you can look at those moves and say, okay, like we might know what their type is. We might know what they want uh, to work with Darius Slayton and Kenny Galladay. And Jalen Waddle is that. And it's unfortunate, you know, that he had the ankle injury this year because before that, he was actually playing better than Devontae Smith. A lot of people don't want to talk about that, how good he was those first three or four weeks of the season. You know, his yards after catch are amazing. He's just electric. So it's not, he's not just a deep threat. He has that ability on short to intermediate passes to make things happen in space. And so that's that's really what makes him very special. So I'm let's say Smith and Waddle are there. You're the Giants. Which direction would you go? I would go Smith just because I have him rated higher as a prospect. Um, mm. I, I think that is a tougher uh, decision though, because it, it comes down to scheme fit. You know, what, what do you need? Do you need, you know, like Kenny Galladay is a possession guy, you know, and I don't mean that as a, a knock on him. It's just his style of play. Devonte Smith is more of that as well, but I think he brings a lot more after the catch. And so I would go Devonte there. You know, he is, it's funny because the way the draft industry works, when you start talking about how great Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts are, people almost assume that you then don't like Devonte Smith. I really right. like him. He has the best hands in this draft. His routes are exceptionally well-timed. And while he's not a burner, he has such a long stride that he just chews up yardage when he has the ball in his hand. So he is a really, really good player that I think, you know, if he's there, you absolutely make that pick and you, you don't even think twice about drafting, you know, a Heisman trophy winner at wide receiver. I started off this podcast and I th- I've, I've asked around the league and I said to people, okay, which non quarterbacks are off the board completely? Like no chance they make it to 11. Right. So yeah, like you said, Pitts, uh, chase and who am I missing? Who's the third non quarterbacks? Uh, Penae Sewell, maybe. Sewell, Sewell, right. Yeah. So the fourth guy I got mixed results on is Rashawn Slater, right? Mm-hmm. If he's there, first of all, what do you think the chances are that he makes it to 11? Um, I think there's a good chance. I I do. Um, Carolina getting, so Carolina getting Sam Darnold throws uh, a little bit of a wrench in that plan, right? Because they could go offensive tackle uh, right. if they don't have to go quarterback. So I think what becomes interesting is what does Denver do at nine and what do the Dallas Cowboys do at 10? Both teams, you would think don't have like an immediate need at offensive tackle, but they could go offensive tackle for the future. You know, Garrett Bowles Mm -hmm. is great at left tackle, but you know, Juwan James has not been good at right tackle for the Denver Broncos. And with Dallas, I mean, you guys know very, very well, you know, Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith's injuries make you, I think you have to at least have it in the back of your mind of, do we need to think about the long-term health of the offensive tackle position here? So I, I think that's where maybe like Slater, there's a chance he makes it there, but it's, it's 50, 50 at this point. Yeah. Did you, how do you view him as a possibility? Because let's say he comes to the Giants this year. They say, okay, year one, If it would make sense for us to draft him if we could slide him into guard year one and maybe we'll worry about right tackle moving forward. You know, we'll try uh, Matt Parrott. Well, we got Nate Solder for the moment. How do you see him transitioning to guard? And are you one of these people who think he's better at guard long-term or think he, I know he just made like with the 33-inch arms 
is like sort yeah. of like the cutoff for NFL teams, right? If you don't have 33, you're, you, you know, they're like, you've got to play guard. You're the outlier. You can't, you can't really play tackle. So how do you view that tackle guard dilemma with him? Yeah, I see well, him I as dilemma. Yeah, I see him as quick enough to cover it up because that's normally what you would worry about is uh, 33 inch arms, but he's quick. So like that, that makes up for it. And his hands are so good. So I don't worry about it. I think he could play left tackle in the NFL and be fine. I think like a Brandon Scherf, like a Zach Martin, if he moves to guard, he's going to be one of the best in the NFL. So uh, I look at him that way and say, yes, you could be a good left tackle. The Giants don't need a left tackle. They have a very good one, Andrew Thomas. So if he plays right guard, like a Scherf and Martin, how good could he be? I think he could be exceptionally good at that. I mean, if he's as good as those two guys, I mean, you signed for pretty happy. Right. Exactly. You know, he's so, he's so quick and he's so smart. He's incredibly poised. I think the only thing that you would maybe worry about a little bit is like, okay, is he nasty enough in the run game? You know, because I, I think that's the one thing that you don't see a lot of is him just being a finisher, just dumping guys. Mm-hmm. But that mentality can come. You can say, okay, it's the NFL. Now you got to finish your blocks. Um, and, and he can go out there and do that. But if he's on the board at 11, I think that's a, a pretty easy pick to make. Micah Parsons chances. He slips in the draft. I mean, you just hear so many whispers out there. I, I just don't know what to make of who actually pulls the trigger on this guy, or does he just end up falling? I think that he could fall a little bit. Um, and, and some of that like is relative, right? Like, because we're probably not going to see very many defenders go in the top 10. We, we actually might not see any. It's crazy that that could happen, but it's true. Wow, so I mean, if he falls, you know, if he falls and he's drafted at 11, he's the first defender off the board. Like, okay, that it's not that much of a slip, but you're right. You know, there's whispers and it, it's tough because I've talked to a lot of people about it and they say, yeah, it's like, there was just some immature stuff, you know, in high school, there was, you know, some, some just high school hijinks, you know, in college, there were some immature things. But I think what you hear from teams is in a year where they didn't get to spend time with these prospects because there's no scouting combine, there's no school visits, you're going to distance yourself from question marks. So even if everything's okay, even if it's, yeah, you know, he was a little immature, he grew up, he's going to be just fine. You don't have the opportunity to vet that for yourself, really, you know, and you don't have you don't have those meetings at the combine where you can bring him into your hotel suite and grill him for 15 minutes about it. So you're doing Zoom interviews, which are I've talked to scouts. I'm sure you have too, who are like these Zoom interviews suck because you don't get body language. You don't get you know chemistry. Uh, and so I think with Parsons, we could see him slip a little bit, but he's just he's so athletic that uh, and so impactful someone's going to stop that fall. It only takes one team, right? So someone's right, right, going right. to stop the slide if he if he does start to. Well, he's so talented. Like, you're just like, well, you know, he might have questions, but somebody's going to be like, you know what? He's too talented. Let's just pull the trigger on this guy. Right. It's a physical freak. We saw him run. Jesus. Uh, yeah, there aren't many people who are 6'3", 245, who run a, you know, a, a low 4'4". Four, four. Yeah, I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, 10 years ago, that would have been unheard of. Uh, okay, so... We mentioned though, you said no, it's possible. I mean, cornerback is probably the first defensive player off the board in this draft. There might not be one in the top 10. Not ideal for the Giants because they need desperately an edge rusher, right? It would have been great if they had a dynamite edge rusher sitting there for 11, but they doesn't seem like they do. If there was one guy that you could see them falling in love with and being like, this is our guy, we want to take him in the first round, edge rusher versatile kind of guy who could play in their scheme, stand up, hand down, both stop the run, move around the field. Who would it be? I think it would be Quiddy pay for Michigan. Uh, again, it comes back to a little bit of scheme fit, you know, who, who could actually do all the things they want someone to do. 
he has the athleticism to do that. And Michigan didn't really use him uh, to the best of his abilities. I didn't think they, they asked him to play all over their defensive line, but his, you talk about freaks, like his three cone time at Michigan was legendary. The coaches there just raved about it. Like how, how quick he was. I, I think he had a, uh, a six, three, seven, three cone time at Michigan, which is just, it was the second fastest on the team. If I remember right. So it's crazy. So I see Quiddy pay as someone who I, I don't like to do school to school comparisons, but watching him play, I was like, this is Frank Clark. Like he could play, you know, true defensive end with his hand down. He could stand up. He can, he can just bring so many different tools to the table. So I like Jalen Phillips from UCLA as well. The concussion history there is a little uh, concerning you know, four concussions at UCLA before he went to Miami. So that has to be vetted out, but you know, he's another player that I think would fit what they're looking for at that edge spot. Yeah. I mean, that's just the interest part. Those two Miami guys, I just hear so many questions about both of them. It, it just, it's interesting because they both produced, right? I mean, at Miami, I mean, they produce big time. But, yeah. Uh, is okay. We look at the top group of, of edge rushes, right? You just mentioned Phillips, Rousseau, Quiddy Pay, uh, what, Ojolari, maybe. I don't know who else would you consider yeah. as part of that group? Do you, or do you, is, is, yeah. is there, and and how many, and do some of these guys stretch into the second round? Like, can they wait till the second round? There's like Joseph Asai or Jason. Right. Ola, are, are those guys available when they pick what pick 11 in the second round? So was that uh 34? I mean, sorry, uh, 44, uh, 42 is where they're at. Yeah. So I do think so. I, I, you know, I think you could look at Joseph Osai from Texas or, Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma, Joe Tryon from Washington. Like there are guys who could be on the board. And that's something that like, I, that I've always tried to like do. And I, it's one of those things I'm trying to like bring to the table now, you know, with ESPN is that you have to think about stacking picks. It's not just round one. So if you take a wide receiver in round one, you also have to, you have to look at, okay, what is going to be available in round two at these positions we have a need. So, you know, like last year, they needed an offensive tackle. They took one because the, there was a drop-off. They knew there wasn't going to be one there in round two. There was a starting caliber player. So what you have to do this year is, okay, at pick 11, if we take a wide receiver, which edge rushers are going to be available at 42? Or if we take Rashawn Slater, which wide receivers are going to be available at 42? And then, okay, let's keep this domino effect going. Who's going to be there when you you come up in around three at 76? So you have to look at it that way of like, it's not mm-hmm. just Thursday night. It's right. all seven rounds. And, and what type of players can you walk away from? So I think that's where positional depth is super important to evaluating the draft so that, you know, that's what these teams should be doing, you know, is looking at it of who are the, the three best players we can get in the first three rounds and not just, it, but it's not always like, here's the top guy on our board list drafting because you have to be aware of, of what that position group looks like. Ojolari is a guy I heard some buzz for them. Does any chance he makes it to that second round spot or you see him as a clear first rounder? I see him as a clear first rounder, but I think the thing that could push him down, if anything does, is that he's small and yeah. in a, a class of a lot of like bigger rushers. You know, you mentioned the two from Miami, Quiddy Pay, Joseph Osai. Like there's a lot of size in this class. So the fact that he's 6'3, 235 excuse me, that could push him down where teams like, ah, you know, that's a little scheme specific for us. I think he actually got up to 250 for his pro day. Um, I, I don't think he'll play around there, but I, I do think that if there's anything that pushes him down, it's that last one, the cornerback position, how deep is it? Like, let's say Patrick certains there in the first, right. For and the giants decide to pass uh, or JC horn, whatever. What are we looking at in the second and third round? And, and also, Interior offensive line, what are we looking at in the middle rounds? How 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 strong is it for the Giants if those are the rounds that they want to address those spots? 
Yeah, I think corner, there's going to be good depth. You know, uh, Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes, both from Georgia, could likely be there. Aaron Robinson from Central Florida could be there. Um, my favorite, like, sleeper at corner is Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas. He's so fast, so he could be there. I think interior offensive line, it, it's not a great year uh, for interior offensive line, especially, like, if you look at guard, you know, there's a pretty big drop-off. Elijah Vera Tucker is going to go in the first round. Mm-hmm. Aaron Banks would probably be there from Notre Dame, who's a good player. Deontay Brown from Alabama probably be there. And he's a, a good player, very good power blocker in the run game, but it, it's not a year on the interior offensive line. We are, you're loving it. You know, there's, there's not that many draftable guys at, at garden center this year. Like last year, I think you were like, ah, we can get, there's just so many oh, yeah. linemen. We could get one in the middle rounds, third, fourth, fifth round type deal. And be high. I think we got a guy who could be starting in, in the league. Easy. Yeah, no, it's definitely not like that this year. <laughs> well, Matt, good luck. I wish you all the best. Uh, I'm here as a resource anytime you need it. So feel free, feel free to reach out and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll link up a couple more times in the next, uh, you know, over the next few years, actually, how about the next few decades? How about that? <laughs> there we go. That sounds uh-huh. great. And, uh, and I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on with you. Appreciate it, man. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza. The number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Great stuff there from Matt Miller. Uh, thank him for coming on. Let's go now and answer your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants after dark. We're going to rip through some quick ones here. Uh, we have on, we're going to go through a bunch of Twitter ones. Okay, so real quick, Twitter. Darcy JMD Big Blue says, do you think Giants will go best player available or draft for need in the first round? Do you think wide receiver still in play? So I already mentioned wide receiver I do is believe is still in play. And I think it's a combination. Like, you don't just go strictly for best player available. That's never the case. It's because if the best player available is a running back, the Giants aren't necessarily going to take a running back, okay? They have Saquon Barkley on their roster. They're invested in him. But It's kind of a combination. It's best player available at a position of need. That's kind of how the draft works in general. So, like we said, wide receiver could still be one there. There's look, there's you don't you're not really drafting for this year. People get get caught in the mistake. Oh, you know, they don't need a wide receiver. Well, you know what? In in two or three years, you're drafting for two or three years from down the line, right? That's when most of these guys are gonna make their biggest impact. Like that, so two or three years down the line, you really have no idea where you're going to be at wide receiver. So, wide receiver definitely still on the board. Edge rusher, obviously, 
still on the board. I mean, huge need. Uh, cornerback, still on the board. So these are the positions I think I would watch closest. Luke Lorenz, 12, says, who's the pick if it's Waddle, Slater, and Parsons are all available? Now, we talked about Slater before. He's the one that's the questionable one of whether I think he's going to be available there. Parsons, I, too much stuff with Parsons uh, off the field. I don't think the Giants would take that risk on him at 11. So I'm going to eliminate him. So now we're between Waddle and Slater. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I, I still think they they like the wide receiver better than the offensive lineman at this point. And I'm not so sure if Slater's like a top, you know, a top five ten player going to be a top five ten player on their board. Although I guess Waddle, I'm not so sure either. But I, I would think my guess is that Waddle would be probably higher on their board, and they and they go in that direction. So, given uh, WPG underscore Giant says, given the character, this is an interesting question. Given the character issues of a recent high draft pick Baker, how risk averse would the Giants front office be with this draft? Is a player with character concerns like Parsons a legitimate possibility in eleven? And I just said before, on the question before, I'd probably eliminate him. And I do think that that part of the reason is this DeAndre Baker situation and everything that just happened. There were concerns about DeAndre Baker from teams around the league before that draft. The Giants chose to kind of ignore them or either or also, I guess, didn't know about them. Now, granted, DeAndre Baker, the charges got dropped. He got freed, but he put himself in a bad situation. Something, Something happened. We don't really know exactly what it was nobody was willing to cooperate but the the fact that that happened and DeAndre Baker had a, they cut him right they they flat cut the guy and the Giants basically just wasted a first round pick that they traded up for unnecessarily at the time by the way too uh you know it definitely is going to affect their willingness of like when they go to John Mara and say hey we want to draft Micah Parsons with the 11th overall pick. I mean, it's got to play a factor. So that's kind of why I believe I'm not going to put Parsons in the mix. And I don't think the Giants have him in the mix either, to be quite honest. We'll, we'll learn more as we go along here. But that's my impression at this point. At Giants Vidal 1027 says, You think the Giants try to target a ve- veteran outside pass rusher like Ryan Kerrigan, Justin Houston, Alden Smith, etc.? Are they onto the draft at this point? I think they're onto the draft at this point, but at some point they're going to probably add a veteran. Now, I think they would like to wait until after the draft and see where they go, what direction they go in the draft. Like if they draft somebody at 11 or 15 and trade back a little bit, it's different than if they draft a third round. If they draft if the only edge rusher they get is in the third round, then they'll probably go out and get a higher end veteran guy. Uh, Tony Thomas. From in from Twitter as well. These are all from Twitter. What do you think Giants fans here most misunderstand about the draft and the Giants team building efforts? What are we posters the wrongest and the silliest about? And I, I, I mentioned it before, but to me, it's about the need. Like, would they have to draft uh, a wide receiver? They have to draft X position. Like, I really don't think team, most teams look at it that way, at least to the, to the degree that fans do. I mean... They're not just – think about it. If the Giants' top edge rusher on the board is ranked 20th out of all players, they're not going to draft him at 11th. They're not. I mean, that that's how you end up making mistakes, and that's called the reach. It's the definition 
of a reach. So I, I think while teams definitely marry need with, uh, you know, the, their their board, uh, I don't think it's quite to the degree that most people believe on the outside. So, and also I think the Giants believe their offensive line is way better than uh, people on the outside do right now. I mean, they they don't they don't think they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They like the young players. Uh, obviously, they just drafted them. Talking about Lemieux, Pert, Thomas. Uh, they liked what they saw from uh, Nick Gates. So I don't think the Giants think that their offensive line is anywhere near as bad as a lot of people on the outside. Mark J. Bond says, what's the confidence level in the current state of the offensive line? And should the Giants prioritize this area over defense or another offensive weapon? Yeah, I kind of just brought that up and mentioned it. The reason I wanted to ask this question was because it is interesting. Should they prioritize this area over defense or another offensive weapon? Uh, it's definitely something I think the Giants are going to address. But I also don't think I, they, I, I also think that they believe it's easier to get a contributor in, let's say, the middle rounds at the offensive line than it is at some other positions, like edge rusher versus, let's say. So it makes it more likely that they will go in the direction of an edge rusher at some point earlier again, marrying their board with needs, then offensive line and maybe pushing offensive line back unless like Penny Sewell made it to them at 11. And, and Slater is someone I think they might they're definitely look into. But uh, aside from that, I mean, I don't see the Giants going offensive line that high. Maybe the middle rounds is probably more likely. Uh, at Bob Brandon says, should we trade up with the Falcons to get either Pitts or Sewell? Uh, the answer is no. The Giants don't have enough picks. They don't have the resources. I think it's ridiculous. that for, for It would be ridiculous for them to trade up. I, I really don't see them going in that direction. They need still need to add uh, quantity in regards to players. I mean, they're, the depth on the roster, again, still going to be a problem. So I do think they need to add more players rather than less players. And if you trade up, that means you're trading more picks. You're going to add less players. At Pop Culture Hour, hey, Jordan. Johnny from Monmouth County. Also, I'm in Wall. I'm a, what's up, Johnny? I'm in Freehold over here. I'm also a proud Giants season ticket holder in Section 126. Now that a small percentage of fans are allowed in the building, I was wondering how they will determine who gets to go. Thanks. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I I don't really know the answer. I do know that season ticket holders and uh, the people priority season ticket holders kind of, and this is not necessarily the Giants we're talking about, I know in regards to the Mets, like Mets opening day, like my buddy had a ticket to Mets opening day, right? And he bought it like sometime last year, hoping that stadiums would be open. Turned out the what the Mets did was they prioritized, okay, these season ticket holders, however it is on the priority list, which I don't know, they're the top season ticket holders. They're going to be kind of in the first group of people. This is my understanding of how it went down. They're going to be kind of the first group of people who get access to the game and get access to opening day. So I don't know. I don't know how they're, how they might determine it. And I also think the giants in general and the NFL in general, they're hoping they can get most, let's say maybe even all fans in the stadium at some point, maybe even at the beginning of the season. So uh, yeah, there, there's, there's that. So last, we got another one here. we got a bunch of crazy ones here. Uh, we got a, R.J. Barrett question I got here on my list of why is the NBA sleeping on R.J. Barrett. 
And then I was going to go on a little rant about my – I still can't get on board with the Knicks. Just can't. Can't. Sorry, that question was by at, jury, at the jury 14. I still can't just get on board with the Knicks. To me, they're still – and I'm, I grew up a huge, huge 90s Knicks fan. And I still can't get on board with the Knicks because they're still where they have been from the beginning. They're still two superstars away from being a legitimate contender. Like, yeah, I, I like R.J. Barrett. Uh, you know, I like Julius Randle, but, you know, neither of them are number twos on an on a NBA title winning team. So I don't know. That's just my frustration there. Last question at C Wills 845. When do you think the Giants address the pass rush hole in the draft? Uh, I mentioned before that the possibility of moving down. Uh, there's also the possibility of moving back up in the second round. Yeah, from the first into the bottom of the, uh, the from the second round into the bottom of the first to maybe get someone. We've seen the Giants kind of do that before and get them and do that before with DeAndre Baker, as we mentioned. Uh, so I don't think that's out of the question. But because eleven doesn't necessarily marry their board and need, I just don't. I don't see them having anyone ranked that high at edge rusher. I think the most likely is second round or end of the first round trading back up, like. So that's sort of the sweet spot to me. If they could trade back, as I mentioned before, that's the ideal spot. So to me, the sweet spot, edge rusher, probably 15 to 35 or so. You know, where most of those higher end, the guys that are considered higher end pass rushers in this draft go. Maybe they could wait till their second round pick. But to me, their second round pick, uh, moving back in the first round, that's the most likely scenario of where I see the Giants getting an edge rusher. And with that, that's the end of this Giants After Dark part of the episode. On to the next one. All right, let's wrap up this episode. We already went kind of long, and I don't really have a Jordan on the beat of anything uh, anything that pops into my head of a, a good, funny, fresh story uh, draft-related at this point. I'll think of one for next week, I promise. Uh, what I want to do is what I'm going to do and look out for it. If I didn't get to your question, I didn't, I know I didn't get to a lot of your questions. Look out. I'm going to do an Instagram Live Monday or Tuesday where I'll answer a bunch of draft questions. I'll try I'll try and give you some draft information. I'm still be making calls as much as possible uh, throughout these next few weeks. So you never know when stuff comes into play, uh, when stuff becomes relevant. Uh, the more I talk to people, the more I find out, the more I try to pass along to you guys and gals and with that that's the end of this episode of breaking blue remember subscribe like tell your friends send me questions uh comments on all platforms instagram facebook twitter uh tiktok email you know how to reach me i'm jordan ronan you're listening to breaking big blue see you next time